The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's kind of a weird way for God to identify himself, but this is exactly what he did when he spoke to Moses through that burning bush and introduced himself as, I am that I am. God said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. That's in Exodus 3, 14 and 15. Thus he has been remembered, and thus we seek to remember him and to share him with others through this project. But what does that mean to you? Who is this I am? Who is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? The only way to grasp the meaning behind these expressions is to go back in time and immerse ourselves in the stories of these great men. And that is exactly what we want to do in this series, starting today with Abraham Part 1, Who is the God of Abraham? Stay tuned as we begin the journey to answer this question that just might change your life forever. Well, hello everyone and welcome to this series on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am excited to start this new project following up on the release of our single. I certainly hope you had a chance to listen to it and share it with others. We want to glorify the name of our Lord and he has pressed in my heart this desire to know him and share him fully for who he truly is. My name is Mario, as you have probably guessed. Um, one of the Marios in our little tribe of six Marios and counting, but that's a story for another day. Today we're trying to get a better understanding on who is this God of Abraham. And we'll start right at the beginning by tracing his lineage from Adam all the way to Abram. So let's get started. God creates Adam and Eve, as you might remember. They have Cain and Abel, Seth and other sons and daughters. Though most people focus on the story of Cain and Abel, it is from the line of Seth that eventually Noah will come. Noah will actually come eight generations after Seth, to be precise. This Noah, of course, is the Noah of the ark and the animals and the flood and all that who survived that great flood along with his wife and his three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, along with their wives, though Noah did have more sons and daughters after the flood. It is through the lineage of his eldest son, Shem, that Abraham, who will eventually become Abraham, is born. He's born some nine generations after Shem. That takes us from creation all the way through the end of Genesis 11, where we pick up then the story of Abraham. Abraham and his family are from the land of Ur of the Chaldeans. Ur was near the west side of the Persian Gulf on what today would be the south of Iraq. 
Abraham had two brothers, Nahor and Haran. The first thing we are told is that Haran, the youngest of the brothers, dies before their father Terah died. This is important because Haran's son, Lot, is featured prominently in the story of Abraham, so we'll hear from him again. This early traumatic event helps us understand Abraham's love for his nephew Lot and his family, which we'll get into shortly. Abram marries Sarai, and we are told that she's barren. Before Abram's father passed away, Terah takes Abram, Sarai, and Lot out of Ur towards Canaan, and they settle in Haran, which is at the northernmost part of Iraq today. It is there that the Lord speaks to Abraham for the first time, and he tells him in Genesis 12, 1-3, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is how we are introduced then to the God of Abraham, so to speak. We, of course, learned of him from the very beginning. The emphasis here is not to minimize God's entire revelation through Scripture, But we want to remain focused here on this journey of ours to discover how God interacted with Abraham in recognition of his revealed desire to be known as I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what do we learn about this God here from the way he interacts with Abraham? Who is the God of Abraham? Well, we see here several things. It is a God of communication and commandment. He speaks to Abraham and gives him practical instructions, if not complete. We see here this is a God of power, a God of promise. He promises to make Abraham a great nation. He promises land to him and blessing. It seems also the God of Abraham wants to use and work through Abraham. Indeed, he told him, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We, of course, know that today, as a messianic promise, having to do with the Messiah, with Jesus, the Savior of the world, who will come through Abraham's lineage. This is how we can make sense of that amazing promise that God will not only bless Abraham, but he tells him that in him all the families of the earth will be blessed. But again, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. This is an amazing God we are talking about here. His power seems to know no limit. He's beyond space and time. He is beyond human comprehension. And yet... He is interested in Abraham and his family. We see here not an impersonal God, but a God of protection, promising to bless those who bless Abraham and to curse those who dishonor him. This is a loving, caring God we are introduced to here. 
you know, it is interesting to me and convicting how Abraham, knowing as little as he did about God compared to God's revelation through Scripture as we have it today, he was able to put his faith, his trust completely in him. And we struggle so much to make our faith concrete, to walk, to get up and walk as Abraham did. Because Abraham's response to the Lord's call is to pack up his family and everything he had and go. He was 75 years old when he took his wife and his nephew Lot with all their families and possessions and set out toward Canaan. He moved by faith, not by sight. This is the faith that is praised in Hebrews 11 when scripture tells us that by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. This is a marvelous reminder that it was grace through faith that brought salvation to Abraham. And it is grace through faith that continues to be the only way to salvation today. It is important to know the unconditional nature of God's promise to Abraham. This is what he will do, period. So Abraham and his family go and reach a place called Shechem, around where Jerusalem is today, and the Lord appears to him again and gives him another unconditional promise. He says, quote, To your offspring I will give this land. That's Genesis 12, 7. Abraham builds an altar to the Lord there. And then he journeys to the east country, west of Bethel. It tells us somewhere between Bethel and Ai. There he builds another altar to the Lord. And scripture tells us he called upon the name of the Lord there. Then he keeps on going towards Negeb. Now there comes a severe famine and Abraham has to go down to Egypt in order to survive. But before he enters Egypt, Abraham asks his wife, Sarai, to tell everyone she is his sister. Because he thought the Egyptians will kill him because she was very beautiful. And so if they told him they were married, they would kill him. Abraham was indeed treated better because of this he was given many gifts including sheep and oxen that would greatly increase his material resources all because of Sarai's beauty but the plan didn't go as they envisioned because she was taken to Pharaoh's house to be his wife they are in trouble but what we see next is God's commitment to his word. Listener, hear me out. God's promises never fail. There is no sure hope, no more solid ground than that which he proclaims. We do well to stake our very lives on the promises of God. The God of Abraham defends his own he defends Sarai. He protects 
Abraham, even through their unbelief. In a great display of his majesty and power, he afflicts Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, so that Pharaoh eventually figures out what is going on and goes to Abraham and asks him why he didn't tell him she was his wife. He gives Sarai back to Abraham and sends them away with all their possessions. So Abraham and his family travel to Negeb, and then they go back to the place they had been before, between Bethel and Ai. There, we are told, Abraham called upon the Lord again, perhaps at that second altar he had established before. But Abraham and Lot's livestock had grown too many for the land to sustain all of their families, and strife started to arise among the herdsmen. There's infighting, and so Abraham tells Lot that there should be no strife among their families, and so he gives them the choice of the land. Lot can take whatever side he prefers, Abraham will take the other. I take much comfort in seeing Abram's true confidence in the promise of God. He need not fret about which part of the land. He came following God's promise and he knows he can trust him. Why don't I, why don't we walk in a similar way knowing the promises we have from God? Why do we fret and get anxious? It is, um, Abram presents us with a great opportunity to examine ourselves and our trust in the Lord. Lot's choice seems a bit self-centered and prideful. Scripture tells us he was eyeing the best of the land, the Jordan, the water, and even other nations like Egypt in choosing where he wanted to settle. He apparently wanted to be close to the big cities. This will cost him later on. So Abraham settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved as far as Sodom. That was not good for Lot, for the Bible tells us that the men of Sodom were wicked and great sinners against the Lord. Definitely not the type of place where you want to be racing a family. After that separation, God spoke to Abram once again and told him to look around him for, quote, all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offsprings forever. That's Genesis 13, 15. Here we see for the first time that the promise of the land was connected not only to Abraham, but to that great nation that is going to come through him. Remember, God promised to make him a great nation. The land will be for him and his offsprings forever. This time element is also crucial. As you know, we are still witnessing this promise today. God continued, I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. That's Genesis 13, 16, and 17. 
And Abraham believes God once again. Even though there were settlers in those lands, this promise was not easily seen. But Abraham saw through the eyes of faith and believed God. Oh, that we would have such faith. Here we see the God of Abraham revealing himself further. He will not forget his promises. His plans and thoughts are higher than ours, so that even when we often do not see a clear path forward to what he has planned, he will bring it about. This God, the God of Abraham, can open pathways where there were none. His purposes cannot be restrained. He is Lord of all. Note God continues to speak this prophetic word into Abraham's life at a time when Sarai is still barren and has been for many years while married to Abraham. Still, Abraham believes and moves as God has said and continues his journey, settling now by the oaks of Mamre at Hebron this time, where he built another altar to the Lord. There were wars in the region at the time, and Lot and his family will soon find themselves in the middle of a conflict between different kings. The king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah got into a war where they lost everything, and their enemies took not only all their possessions, but they took people, and they took Lot and his family. When Abraham heard of it, we see his confidence again because he takes 318 of his trained men and he goes on to fight to get Lot and his family back. And uh, he did so. He was strategic. He divided his army in two and defeated the enemy and brought Lot and his family with their possessions back. As he Abraham is on his way back. The king of Sodom went out to receive him. And we have the great and somewhat mysterious encounter of Abraham and Melchizedek, the king of Salem. The scriptures describe Melchizedek as a priest of God Most High, Genesis 14, 18. This too, as some of you may know, has messianic connotations that we don't have time to get into, but Melchizedek brings bread and wine, which is not insignificant also, and blesses Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. There is no record of Abraham telling Melchizedek of the promises he had received from God, so it looks like God had revealed to Melchizedek some of his plan by the way he recognized God's hand over Abraham and his victory. It is he who lets us know what you and I probably suspect, that it was God who fought that battle for Abraham. It was God who delivered the enemy into his hands. And so we continue to get to know the God of Abraham deeper still, don't we? He's mighty in battle. He fights for us and delivers us from our enemies. He cares for us and our families. This is a very different God than what people are used to dealing with. 
This is not an arrogant God far off. The God of Abraham is near. He is with us and yet he is outside of us. Note that he seems to speak and move outside of time. He declares things to Abraham that will take years, decades, even centuries and millennia to be fulfilled. This is a, a God in control of history. History, as they say, is his story. We do well to remember this. Somehow we tend to see history with our lives at the center of it. But the God of Abraham is far too big to be defined in such menial ways. We are here today and gone tomorrow. We are like the mist in the morning. He is eternal. He has his hand on Abraham, but his plan is beyond Abraham, far beyond. In the same way, he has a plan for you and me that is beyond you and me. It is about him. This is great news for us. Our lives have eternal value. We are part of his plan. The God of Abraham imparts in us that life purpose and meaning that we are in desperate need of. Do you know this God? Do you know the God of Abraham? Does your life have purpose and meaning beyond yourself? Or are you struggling to find your purpose? Does everything seem meaningless? If that is the case, I want to invite you to open your heart mind and soul to Yahweh, the God of Abraham, this God who loved you so much, he gave his only begotten son to die for you. That was the plan all along. Even from these early ages in history, he planned for you. He planned for this very moment that you may meet him face to face while listening to this old story, that your spiritual eyes may be open in an instant. Do you see? Are you being made new? That's my prayer. And I pray that you will continue to listen to our next episode, where we will continue to learn about the God of Abraham, There's no better investment of your time than to know him more and more. So join me next time as we continue the story of Abraham and more importantly, the story of the God of Abraham. I'll talk to you soon. I will put my trust in God who alone knows my makeup. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob.